stand with us and sing. adults are in a good mood today? Do you think they're in a good mood today? Were they all like maybe a little sleepy for staying up a little bit too late on a Saturday night for church people, but they're in really good moods, aren't they? We actually might have some people who are watching from home because they were a little bit too sleepy. <laughs> well, why do you think they're so excited? The Bills won. The Bills won. Oh, Okay, okay. Thank you for letting me know. All right, well, welcome to worship, everybody. It is good that you are all here to give God praise, especially when you are full of joy. And I think maybe all of Buffalo was praying for a really good game last night, just possible. Well, good morning and welcome to all of you. And friends, the peace of Christ be with you all. And let us greet one another. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. Oh, 
and let us join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, we turn to you this morning, and Lord, we ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Let us feel your power and your grace as we worship you this morning. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. All right, who is ready for a children's moment? Yes? Okay, well, good. Well, does anybody have school tomorrow? No. Why do you not have school tomorrow? Yeah? Exactly, because it's Martin Luther King Day. Did anybody learn about Martin Luther King at school? Yes. Yes, you did. Tell me some of the things that you learned about Martin Luther King Jr. at school. Can you tell me anything that you learned at school about him? <laughs> well, sometimes in middle school, I don't think you cover all of those things, but the elementary school kids, I'm sure, did. What did you learn? Yes, he helped people, and he helped them to get equality because everybody was not treated the same way, so he helped them to get equality. What else did you learn? He got shot by a He did. Sadly, somebody killed him, and that happens. Sometimes really good people get hurt by people who are not very good. Exactly. Yes, that was called being assassinated, which is sad. What else did you learn about Martin Luther King Jr.? Anything else? Yes, what else did you learn? Do you know what he did for a job before he started to work for equality? Does anybody know what he did for a job? No, that's not. Does anybody know what he did for a job? What did he do, Taylor? What was that? Do you know he was a pastor? And do you want to hear a really fun, really cool fact? The place that I went to seminary where I learned how to be a pastor, that's where he went to become a doctor, to get his doctorate. And that is really cool. So I got to go to the same school as Dr. King. But he was absolutely remarkable. And one thing that he cared about was making sure that everybody had equality because he was a pastor and because he knew what the Bible said about equality, and he knew that God wanted us all to be equal. Is there anybody who's a really good reader who wants to read what that verse behind me says? Go right ahead, Taylor. Exactly. All of you are one in Christ Jesus. That is a verse that the Apostle Paul said in his letter to the church in a place called Galatia. And so he said that, and then Dr. King did his best to teach everybody that, to teach everybody that we are all one. So if you have different colored skin, are you really any different or are you equal? Equal. What about if you have different abilities? People have different abilities. If you have different abilities, are, is, are some people better than others? Or is everybody, yeah, or is everybody equal? Yes, in the eyes of God, we are all equal, and we need to make sure to remember that. All of us were made uniquely, all of us are made in completely different ways, and yet we are all one in Christ Jesus. So let's remember that. As you...
Even if your favorite color, I like that last part, if your favorite color is different than everybody else's, yes, you are still seen as equal in the eyes of God. God loves us all. So tomorrow, when you have the day off of school, I want you to think about some really great pastors, the Apostle Paul and Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I want you to think about them and how much they wanted everybody to know that no matter who you are, what you look like, or anything like that, we are all equal in the eyes of of God. So now let's stand and let's say our prayer. All right, let's pray. Holy and loving God, we thank you and we praise you for allowing us to worship you today. Help us to remember that we are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all equal in the eyes of God. Help us to remember that today and every day. And thank you, Lord, for the service of Dr. King and many like him. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. And you can go off to Sunday school. Oh, my children, with my blessing, never alone. Waking, sleeping, I am with you. You are my home. In my love's baptismal river, children with my blessing you are my own and now friends if anybody has any announcements you can come forward at this time good morning, good morning. Um, i'd like to tell you about a new mission project that zion is going to be participating in with other churches from around the western area we are going to be sponsoring a refugee family through journeys and refugee services what we are going to be doing now is beginning to collect things for um, for their apartment that they will have when they come to our country we're not sure exactly when they will be arriving and there's a long list of things that um, we need to support this family so I will put the list um, at the back of the church, a few copies of the list if you want to take a look at it. We will also put it probably on our church website and we'll keep updating it as things um, are brought in. So if you want to take a look at it, there are many different items. Um, everything from basics like paper towels all the way up to TVs and things like that. So if you can help in any way, that would be great. If you have something that you would like to donate, just bring it to church, and I will take care of it. Just let me know that it's here. Thank you. And if that is it for announcements, then let us join in prayer as we light our peace candle. And as we light our peace candle, I know that one of the prayers I was lifting last night that I cared more about than any football game was the safe release of all of those people who were in the synagogue that were held hostage. When I had heard about that in the news, just to think about what a small world this is, you know Rabbi Alex. He's been here before. Rabbi Alex from Congregation Shir Shalom, Rabbi Alex Lazarus Klein. He is actually close friends with the rabbi who is there, who is held hostage. So sometimes you remember how close everything is and how connected everything is. So I know you may have been like me, praying even harder than for anything else, praying that they would all be released, and they were. So thank God. Thank God for their safe release. Thank God for that answered prayer. 
I know that they will all have a lot to work with after, but thank God that they are all alive to grow and to heal from this. So now let us light this candle and pray for peace, not just in that situation, but in every situation. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we pray for peace. We thank you, Lord, for the release of those hostages. We thank you, Lord, for those who work for peace every day. And Lord, we ask that you help us to be instruments of your peace. May we learn from Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who fought for equality and who showed the world peace. May we be like him in even just the smallest way. May we learn from those who have gone before us to create more peace in this world. May we, Lord, be instruments of your peace. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary. Please join me in the opening litany. When hopes seem dry and old visions wane, look for the wedding feast. If you cannot keep faith's pace and despair seems sure to win, attend the house at Cana. When love appears to shrink and joy sags frail, join the amazing disciples if the new age seems late and your patience is tired and worn follow the young nazarene oh dearest christ brother and savior your abundant forgiveness is ready ages before we seek it your love is unfolding long before we become aware of it Fill us with the joy that doubt, failure, and fear cannot steal from us. Sovereign, you are 
are still sovereign, even when confusion has blinded my eyes. Lord, I don't deserve your kind affection. When my unbelief has kept me from your touch, I want my life to be a pure reflection of your love. And so I come into your chambers and I dance at your feet, Lord. You are my Savior, and I'm at your mercy, and all that has been in my life up till now belongs to you, for you are still
And our reading today comes from the Gospel of John, the second chapter. We will read verses 1 through 12. Now, even if you weren't on Bible study, you probably know what we are about to read thanks to the lectionary. And maybe if you happen to see a post that I thought was funny on Facebook where it was the Jesus was here post, I gave you just a little hint about what we were going to be reading today. And so we are going to read about the wedding at Cana. So open up your pew Bible to John chapter 2. We will read the first 12 verses. And if you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? Amen. Starting with verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to Jesus, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, holding each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. And so they took it, and when the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first and the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk, but you have kept the good wine until now. Jesus did this. The first of his signs in Cana of Galilee and revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother, his brothers and his disciples, and they remained there a few days. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail. And there I find you in the mystery, in oceans deep, my faith will stand. And I will call upon your name And keep my eyes above the waves When oceans rise, my soul will rest in your embrace For I am yours And you grace abounds in deepest waters your sovereign hand be my guide 
Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we turn to you, Lord. And Lord, we ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Bless us with your spirit and bless us with your power while we worship you this morning. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. 
So we just read the story about the first public miracle of Jesus. And as we read through that story, most of the miracle sounds pretty self-explanatory, does it not? You know, the, the wedding host run out of wine. And then Jesus' mother, as only a mother can do, is like, hey, Jesus, you could solve this problem right now. You could take care of this. And at first, Jesus is a little bit resistance, but resistant, but then Jesus listens to his mother. I think we could have a whole entire different sermon right there that Jesus listens to his mother. Maybe we should get the kids back up here again and just focus on that. Jesus sounds resistant at first, but then he decides that he will do what his mother asked him to do. And so Jesus turns water into wine, leaving everyone amazed. So the miracle sounds rather self-explanatory, except for there's actually a lot of details. Those of you who are in Bible study, we went through a few, but then I, of course, had to do even more reading after that. There are a lot of details that we don't really understand if we're just looking at the surface. So I'm going to give you a bit of wisdom from people who are smarter than I. So one person is Dr. Gail O'Day. She's a biblical studies professor. Another person is Reverend Kate Matthews. Most of this information comes from Gail O'Day. But I'm going to tell you some of the facts that you might find interesting because I know I find them interesting as we look at this miracle, the first miracle, the miracle of the wedding at Cana. So this was a wedding, and back then, a wedding wasn't just a one-day affair. Today, you need to go to a wedding. You've got an invitation to go to a wedding, so you go to a service. Maybe it's in church. Maybe it's elsewhere. You go to a service, and then you go have a party afterwards where you get to go celebrate with the bride and groom, and it doesn't even last a whole entire day. That's what a wedding's like today. But back then, any guesses how long a wedding lasted? Three days, well, Sue, right on top of it here. Back then, a wedding would last three days. It wasn't just a one-day affair. So running out of wine on day one would have been a huge embarrassment. Also, we need to understand how important hospitality was at the time of Jesus. Does anybody else like me have like a mother who cares a lot about hospitality? Anybody else? I mean, oh my goodness, my mother is like the queen of hospitality. I don't even fully understand it, but she is so hospitable. But back then, hospitality meant everything to the people. And if you were not hospitable, if you were not as hospitable as you should be, then it was seen as a sign of social disgrace. So Jesus saving the host and helping them to continue to show good hospitality by miraculously making the water turn into wine, that helped them as they were fearing that what they were going to go through with social disgrace when the wine ran out. And then here's one little fun bit of information. Do you realize that Mary never actually asked Jesus to turn the water into wine explicitly? She never said to Jesus, uh, hey Jesus, they ran out of wine. How about you take that water from over there and turn it into wine? She doesn't say that exactly. She doesn't need to, but she definitely implies it. And here's what I find interesting. Mary implies to Jesus, hey Jesus, you can fix this problem. You can turn this water into wine, which means she knows 
full well his ability to easily perform a miracle such as this. Why does she know that he can easily perform a miracle such as this? Not only because she is his mother, but likely also because she has witnessed, not publicly, but she has witnessed in the privacy of their home. I'm going to guess she's probably witnessed a few miracles of Jesus before. So she knew that she could do this, and she didn't even have to fully tell Jesus what she was saying. She could just imply it, and he knew exactly what she was talking about. Okay, so as we're working through our Bible study right now, if you happen to look at verse 4, you don't have to open up your Bibles. I'll tell you what it says. Jesus refers to Mary as woman. He says woman. Now, a lot of times we read that, and maybe it like kind of gave you one of those feelings as we were reading that when Jesus says woman. Now, often we read that with a modern lens, thinking that when he says woman, he's saying it in like an insulting kind of way. I mean, if somebody turns to you and says, hey, woman, you're going to be like, excuse me? So we often think about that as, as that it could have been insulting, but back then it wasn't insulting at all. That, that wasn't uh, an insulting term to just refer to somebody as woman. And then here's an interesting little bit of information. When Jesus refers to his mother as woman, he's actually separating her from the role of his mother and including her with the rest of his cohort. So he's really equating her as one of the equals among his whole entire cohort. That's actually why I included verse 12. Did you notice that we went on to verse 12, which just says that Jesus' mother and his siblings and his disciples, they all went on to Capernaum. They all became one cohort. So by referring to his mother as woman, he's saying, this isn't just my, my mother. She is a woman who is also a part of this sacred cohort. And then the last piece of Bible study information that I want to share with you before we go on. Sorry, I, I find this stuff interesting, so you get to find it interesting along with me. The last bit of information that I'm going to share with you is the fact that water turning into wine foreshadows something, doesn't it? What's the last thing Jesus does with his disciples? He sits with them at the table. He breaks the bread, and he pours the wine. And he says, this is my blood that is spilled out for you. So his first miracle here in the presence of his disciples is turning water into wine. And then the last the supper that he will have with his disciples, he pours the wine and he says, this is my blood which is shed for you. So those are some of the interesting facts that I think will help us to understand this text a little bit better. But now we can ask the question, why does this miracle matter so much? Why does it matter? This is the first miracle. So so why does this matter? Well, well, the first reason that it's important is because this is Jesus' first public miracle. As I said before, this probably is not Jesus' first miracle ever. I am sure that Mary has witnessed many of his miracles before in the presence of their home. But also think about when he called his disciples, when, when they couldn't catch any fish, and he says, oh, throw the net to the other side, and then they bring in a whole gaggle of fish. That, of course, was a miracle as well. But this was the first of the public miracles where everybody and anybody could witness Jesus' miraculous ability. And secondly, this miracle was a miracle of compassion. It wasn't necessary to save anybody's life. Did anybody's life get saved from this miracle? Was anybody raised from the dead by this miracle? Was anybody healed of blindness or, or some other kind of ailment with this miracle? No. 
This wasn't a life-saving miracle, but it was a miracle that showed compassion. Because imagine being that family. Imagine being that family that just barely had enough money to squeak by to throw off this wedding. Imagine being this family that, that couldn't throw the huge elaborate feast that the other families could throw, but they wanted to celebrate this wedding. They wanted to celebrate this day. They invited all of their friends and family, but their friends and family drank just a little bit too much wine on day one, and they just couldn't afford to provide enough wine, and yet it still would have been such a social disgrace. So Jesus turned Turning water into wine was a miracle of compassion. He saved those hosts just by helping them from embarrassment. So let's tie this together to what we talked about last week. Now last week we talked about how sometimes God answers our prayers. Like last week how I mentioned when I was looking for my daughter at the bottom of the mountain and I could not find her and then I prayed and I said God I need you right now. I need you to show me where my daughter was and then I turn around and right behind Walter there she is walking towards us. Sometimes God answers our miraculous prayers. Sometimes God answers those prayers in ways that are just so powerful and miraculous. I mean, I feel like a lot of people were really praying for, for maybe not necessarily for the Bills to win, but for them to have a really good game. Because I've learned, I don't think you should pray for sports teams to win, but maybe Buffalo had that figured out. Maybe everybody was praying for them to have like perfect games or praying for all the players. I don't know. I think something was happening there. And so somehow, some way, God answers our prayers. It's often those, those small prayers, those prayers that, that might not seem hugely significant to everybody. Has anybody ever been running late for something? Maybe you've been driving around in a city and you couldn't find a parking spot. And then you start praying and praying and then you go around the same place you've gone and suddenly a parking spot is opened up. Anybody ever have a prayer like that? Has anybody ever been, been praying that even though the, the GPS says that you're not going to get somewhere on time and you're just praying and praying and not trying not to drive too fast or too unsafely, but just praying that God will get you to the place that you need to be just in time and somehow by the grace of God, even though the GPS said it wasn't possible, God gets you there on time. Has anybody else ever had that happen to them before? Has anybody else had a lost child? I mean, I mentioned Taylor last week, but my little Walter was a pro at getting lost in the grocery store. Oh my goodness, that's the reason I kept him in that, that seat of that, uh, of that uh, cart for as long as I could. Has anybody else ever had a lost child before? And you prayed and you prayed and then bam, there they are right there when you turn around. Anybody else ever had a miracle like that? What about other miracles? Give me a raise of the hand if you've ever had God just answer a miraculous prayer for you. Come on. I want to see these hands today, okay? You should all be rejoicing. I'm the one from New England. You guys are the ones from Buffalo. You should all be rejoicing right now. Has anybody ever had, I want to see those hands, God answer a prayer? It happens. Let's tie that together with what we're reading this week. This week, we're reading about the wedding at Cana. Turning water into wine did not save anybody's life, but to the host, it was an answer to their prayers. Now, here's where Lori comes in. I warned Lori. I said, Lori, you're coming into this sermon. I just want to give you a heads up. So Lori helps out during the church uh, at the church during the week. That's why I love when people retire, by the way. Go ahead and retire. Come hang out with me at church. 
I will give you plenty of things to do. It's awesome. And so Lori and I were, were chatting, and we were chatting about last week's sermon, and, and then we were chatting about how sometimes God answers those prayers that seem insignificant to everybody else. But the second that God answers that prayer, Larry, Lori gave an example of a tree that fell down and just barely missed the shed and the house and just fell in just the right spot where no damage was done. When something like that happens, when a prayer is answered like that, it doesn't change the whole world. It doesn't change everything going on in the world, but it does make you feel loved, doesn't it? When that kind of thing happens, Lori's like, it's like God's like, Lori, I care about you. When God answers those prayers that seem insignificant to the rest of the world, but they matter to us, they matter to us, that is when God is saying to us, I'm with you. I care about you. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm here with you. Do you realize that God wants us to lift up not only the big prayers, not only people getting released from being held hostage, not only prayers for equality, not only the, those big prayers, but when we lift up the little prayers as well, God wants us to lift up those little prayers as well. God wants to be a part of our lives. That is why he sent us his son. He wants us to know that God is not some distant God. God is not some absent God. God is here with us, with us all the time. That is why we are given the power of the Holy Spirit, so that God is with us all the time. God wants us to not just lift up those big prayers that we want answered, but God wants us also to lift up those small things that matter to us. God wants us to lift up those prayers as well. When Jesus turned water into wine, he did it per his mother's request to let his host family, that host family, breathe a sigh of relief and escape social embarrassment. Because God cares about us. God cares about our feelings. God cares about our emotions. God cares about our fears and our anxieties. Give me a nod of the head if you've got some pretty heavy fears and anxieties sometimes. God cares about you. God cares about you even when you feel insignificant. God cares about you even when you feel alone. God cares about you enough to answer even those small, seemingly insignificant prayers. So I want you to think about that today, friends. God cares about you. Do you have something you, you maybe haven't lifted up to God in prayer because you thought it didn't matter? You have anything that you say, I don't want to bother God with that. Well, I'm telling you right now, bother God with that. God wants to be bothered. God is here with you. God wants to be a part of your life. God wants to bless you in those little ways. God wants to walk with you on this journey of life. So turn each and every single prayer up to God. Yes, God doesn't answer every single prayer the way that we want because we don't always know exactly what we're asking for. But God does so often answer those small prayers to let us know that God is with us, that God has 
compassion for us. And when that happens, friends, we need to know that our God is worthy of our praise. So that's why we come here or join online. We come here because our God is worthy of our praise. And our God loves us and is with us now and always through the good and the bad, through the fears and the anxieties, through everything. Our God is with us. Can anybody say amen to that? And let's join in a moment of prayer. Holy and loving God, we turn to you, Lord. You are the one who is with us always. You are the one who turns water into wine. You are the one who turns us from darkness to light. You are the one who turns us from despair to joy. So, Lord, we turn to you today. We know, Lord, that you are worthy of our praise. So help us, Lord, to praise you. Help us, Lord, to focus on you. Help us, Lord, to find comfort in you now and always. And we pray, Lord, this in every prayer, the one that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let's continue worshiping with our morning offerings. Let us pray together. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen.
now go forth with the blessing of God. Go forth with the love of Christ. Go forth, be blessed, and be a blessing to all.